Welcome to Back on the Broomstick, a modern witch's spoken word grimoire, where two witchy friends from way back are reconnecting to their pagan roots after a long period of mundanity. We're rewalking the path of the wise and trying out all the latest spells, rituals, and magical theory in today's witchcraft and pagan practices. So grab your wand and your incense, your cauldron and your crystals, and join us as we get Back back on on the Broomstick. Welcome to Back on the Broomstick. I'm Layla. And I'm Shell. And today we're going to be getting out the herbal witch in all of us, that magic potion queen, the elixirs, the loose incense, the potions, the powders, the herbs. This has totally been my jive for like 30 years. I have been like this incense making wizard, this herbal remedy queen. Like this has been my jam. And and I'm I'm excited to talk about this because I love herbs. Um, I love making interesting potions with them. And yeah, I think this is going to be a fun topic. As long as I have known you, Shell, you have been the herb witch. Yep. You had the shelves and shelves of labeled jars of all sorts of different potions and leaves and stems and powders. and No one owns more mason jars full of stuff than I do, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Sticks and dried leaves all abound at Shell's house. And you were very fond of giving them away. I think I still have like the last little bits of a loose incense you made back in the day. Or you would make bath salts before bath bombs were a thing. And I loved getting those as gifts because it was always a personalized blend of oils and herbs that you would use for each person in the coven or each person that was close to you. That was my favorite part, was seeing what different herbs you had chosen for me for that particular gift. One thing, when when I'm gifting a herbal concoction, my problem is, is I make too much. You're getting like a pint mason jar full of shit. And I'm like, wow, that's going to take them seven years <laughs> to use. Oh, well, here you go. So one thing I do, I've always had a problem with this portion control. Probably my first tip with doing anything with herbs, who cares about how much you're making? There's never too much. Never too much. (laughs) Never too much. And I'm going to come in on the other side as the frugal witch and say, (laughs) a pinch will do just fine. Most of the time, if you're putting together an incense, I would do them just a small batch, just enough for that little half of a charcoal in the loose incense burner. I put more lavender in stuff than that amount. Jeez. You and I are polar opposites on on portions. Yes, and I'm a big a big believer also in that a little bit is just as representative of the energy of an herb as a large amount. There's so many different types of incenses out there. I mean, you walk into a grocery store and you can buy stick incense from all over the world, not just the cheap crappy knockoffs. Why would someone want to blend their own incense or use loose incense instead of all the nice little cones and sticks that are out there? Before I answer that, I am going to say there nothing replaces the blue and red box of Nag Champa. (laughs) Like nothing replaces, like you cannot tear me away from that Nag Champa. I am the same. I am a Nag Champa witch myself. It lives in a special part in my soul. (laughs) Right, right. Aside from that, who knows who made it in the grocery store? Probably some mass production factory. It was probably made by robots somewhere. If I am making loose incense, I am able to, A, make it however I want, however amount I want, whatever intentions. And that's the big thing. What intentions am I going to, you know, I could 
quote unquote cleanse and, and reintention incense sticks from the store. But if I have the ability to create that magic from the get go myself, that is my preference. But I am not negating incense from the store um, in any way because trust me, I've used them more often than than I care to admit. But it's easier for me to put a hundred percent of my magical intentions into something that I am creating because I've also created the stick incense. So it's it's really comes down to intention and not necessarily method of burn. I love that you brought up both of those, that you can buy stick incense that was mass manufactured by somebody making minimum wage in Idaho and make that just as magical as incense that you have created. However, what we're talking about today is that you can boost your practice, that it's easier. Like you said, to get into the mindset of this incense is sacred, maybe you have to work with it for a minute. But if you've created that incense, You've chosen each herb carefully for its addition to your spell or your ritual for the energies and vibrations that it will bring to you and to your working. And so by doing that, you have just added one more layer that makes it easier for you to get into magical space and to create magical change. Because you also don't know what other ingredients have been put in mass-produced incense. There are some that are mass produced where there is like a, a, a coating on them and that coating keeps them from kind of powdering apart. You know how sometimes with Nag Champa, if you have it too long, it'll powder off of the stick. There are some mass produced brands where they put on a chemical coating to prevent that. I don't know what that coating is. I don't know if that's in line with my magical intentions or what I want. That could be totally against everything I'm trying to do. So I know when I am making it myself, you know, it's kind of like dinner. When I'm making dinner, not that I'm a cook, but when I'm cooking, I know what I'm eating because I'm putting it in there. And you're not getting an ingredients list on the back of an incense box. Exactly. And there's more fun things that you can do with incense that you make yourself. We're, we're heading into summertime. We're in summertime right now. Camping season is in full swing. What better way to do an incense at camp than to put it in the fire? You know, if you're camping right. and you have a small ritual fire, say you want to do a, a love spell or a deepening of a relationship spell, and you've made a small ball using honey and lavender and rose, rose petals. Nips. Yeah, a little bit of cinnamon, you know, maybe a little bit of pepper for some spice. and Or some apricot even. Yeah, and you've wrapped all these rose petals and everything. Toss that into your fire, and that's going to smell great you're going to now make your whole camp smell fantastic as that releases the energy of your spell. And you can't do that with a stick incense. PSA, once you put your incense ball in your campfire, it's not the appropriate time to be roasting marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> Although I've done it before, not thinking and been like, wow, that sure tastes like dragon's blood. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, there's nothing that will take you out of magical space faster. I have been at rituals before around the bonfire in the wee hours of the morning as the drummers are still kind of going strong and people are moving slower around the bonfire, maybe doing some magical work. And the next thing you know, somebody comes up and is like tossing their paper plate from the snack they just had into yeah, the Lord. ritual fire. Oh, Lord. There's nothing that'll pop you out of magical space faster than that. You know, and, and aside from um, making loose incense, here's a couple other things I've used herbs for. 
this is one thing I've been working on actually right at this very moment. Well, not while we're talking, but last night, and I probably will do it after we're done. Spell bottles. That's been my kick for a while. We've been talking about it for a while. Um, spell bottles have been my my jam at the moment. And I have actually gone and harvested some local good stuff here in Salem. I actually went down, what was it, two days ago, I believe, I went down to the ocean and harvested some, well, I didn't harvest it, it washed up on the, on the, on the beach. I, I got some washed up kelp that I've been drying. Ooh, what's the magical properties of kelp? What I've specifically got it for, aside from the magical properties, is I've been into this sea witch stuff lately. <laughs> yeah. Hey, me with my collecting sea glass and driftwood, I feel ya. So, you know, it was just, it, I, I'm making, I'm starting to make some, some spell bottles that, that are more ocean themed, but kelp kind of brings in that, that flowing energy, that flexibleness, because when you look at it, something like kelp, which is a seaweed, essentially, for those that aren't aware of that, it, it's kind of that seaweed that that keeps things fluid, keeps things flexible and in movement, but it also is a protector. You can use kelp in a protection incense, or I'm putting it in a spell bottle, like I said, um, because again, it represents one of those protectors of the sea. So right now what I've been doing, I've just been drying it on a paper towel in my windowsill with the window open. Hey, the sunlight right now as we're going towards, I mean, this is going to come out after the solstice, but as it's going towards the solstice, that sun energy being absorbed by those plants is a beautiful balance of fire and water energy in that kelp. But we've had some relatively decent weather up here in the Northeast um, for a little bit. So I've been able to harvest already some catnip, some basil, the sage. We talked about the sage I was growing last time. Um, so I, I've been drying some of that out, jarring it up to be to be putting in for some of the spell bottles I've been using. I've got some sprigs of lavender finally. So I actually just harvested those yesterday and I will be using, probably be splitting that between spell bottles and uh, loose incense. But what I've been really looking into at this point other than the ocean thing, a lot of folks have been asking for prosperity stuff. Tis the season, I guess. We all need camping money, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you were talking about what you have been harvesting. Yeah. I have been harvesting mint for that very reason. My daughter is an herbal witch and she has been growing mint and catnip and quite a few other things. And I just spent a few days recently because you know mint, it'll go crazy. Right, and right. Harvesting a whole bunch of mint and drying it. Our last episode, you had talked about taking sticks and making a pentacle out of them to hang herbs from. So we're trying that. To oh, dry I stuff. love that. I yeah. love that she's doing that. Isn't that great? And so I, I, again, to kind of absorb that sun energy in the mint for prosperity spells, because mint is fabulous for that type of spell. We're also gathering all the peony. Um, right now, all our peonies are huge. Going crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, petals everywhere. And peony flowers are fantastic for romance spells and for good health and healing. And good. It, they're good for marriage. So romance, good marriage, health and happiness. So great time of year to harvest these herbs to use in your magical workings. You know, don't get me wrong. I am an herb buyer. I will go to any local store, you know. Living in Salem really is is a killer on my my finances. So jealous. Here. 
at your fingertips. I'll go down, you know, I'll buy, I'll buy stuff, you know, I'll get my frankincense and my dragon's blood and my myrrh and my this and my that. But there are things, and this was, this was even the case in when, when I lived, when we lived in upstate New York, try to use locally sourced things, things that you can source yourself. You don't necessarily have to put tons of money into being an herb witch, but you might have to walk around outside every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's so many things that are local to you wherever you are that can be utilized no matter your intention. You know, here in the Northeast, we just happen to be abundant with all types of trees and plants and, and flowers and, and things of that nature. But, you know, if you're, say, out in California, there are plants and trees and, and barks and stuff out in California that can be utilized for the same intentions, but maybe aren't the same exact plant product that maybe I have here at my fingertips to go harvest in my yard or down the street or at the beach. Staying local is a fabulous way to honor the earth, which is a lot of what we're doing by making your own incense, using smaller amounts, use just a little bit. You don't need a whole white sage bundle in order to get that cleansing and healing property. You don't need to use the entire plant. You can just use a small amount and get that same magical kick. It's not going to get more magical because you used a handful. Right. Shell likes abundance. So sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> Shell likes to make this stuff and give it away. So I think that kind of colors her magic. And she's just like, eh, I'll put some handfuls in here because she's giving away that abundance to people. But when you're doing a spell or what have you, you don't need a lot. I know people who use, and I'm one of them, the loose incense holders, you know, with the sand, yep. with the little charcoals. Yep. Break those charcoals in half. Break it in a quarter if you just need a little tiny bit because those suckers will burn for a long time if you get a good one. See, I'm the one who will use the whole charcoal in one <laughs> sitting and then my smoke detector's going off and I'm fanning the whole place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been there for sure. <laughs> I mean, I love copal and dragon's blood, two of my favorite scents, especially if I'm going to burn it on a loose incense burner. And so I will go all out. But yeah, you've got to kind of watch out. You're going to smoke out your house. If you're trying to keep your witchcraft or your spellcraft on the down low, <laughs> a little secret, don't use a full charcoal because everyone in your house and possibly your neighborhood will know. I, I, I wanted to just touch on a couple of things that this is just local to me, but some things that you may just have in your backyard that you can utilize for incense or spell work or spell bottles, because, you know, it's not just incense and spell bottles. You know, I have done the bay leaf thing. You know, I have written my little spells on the bay leaves and either burned them or folded them up and, and, and put them in the ocean or what have you. But there are things that you are going to just find that are so good. Like here, oak, we have oak trees everywhere. I look out my bedroom window. I have an oak tree right here. Fertility, healing, health, luck, money, potency, protection. I don't need to go necessarily. Would I like to go get maybe some valerian or something of that nature for protection? Maybe I would, but maybe I can't afford it or don't have access to it. I can go right outside my bedroom and get some oak leaves. I could maybe get a piece of a branch of that oak tree that's come off, uh, what have you, maybe a piece of the bark and have just as much of a, of a protection spell with that oak for my yard as the valerian I bought for $9.95 online. Exactly. And if you can't get sage or if you don't have a, an ethical way to source it, pine. Yep. Grab a little branch of pine and put that in your moon water as you're sprinkling your house to cleanse it or 
use it in your incense or in your working, it's free. <laughs> you can just go get that most places. I, I know it doesn't grow everywhere, but that's something that very easily can be sourced cheap. You know, as much as I am is witchy to the core, I still have that blend of Christmas Yule, Christmas Yule. And I, I get a tree every year. Always get a real one. Just one shell? Well, the one is real. The rest yeah. is not. <laughs> okay. Different episode on my OCD Christmas tree thing. But I will actually, before I dispose of the tree, after I take all my decorations off, which sometimes is February, <laughs> I will actually take pieces off that tree and jar them up for later spell work down the road. Yes. So you know, just source this stuff. It doesn't have to be about buying these fancy concoctions online or it, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking small business, spend all your money at local business, but you can do it too on your own without spending. You can do it out of your kitchen. How yeah. often, Shell, have you reached for your spice cabinet to throw together herbs for a spell when you didn't have your witchy herbs? <laughs> how many how many things in my herb catalog are actually from <laughs> Whole Foods in a Whole Foods container? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's herbs and everything seem so complicated. And there's some wonderful authors out there. My first one, Scott Cunningham, you know, Encyclopedia of Herbs. Love it. It's like a Bible. Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs was my first one. Fabulous, cute little book. And he has a couple of them now. There's also my daughter's favorite is Rosemary Gladstar. And she's phenomenal. She's more of the medicinal side and the healing side of herbs. Okay. But one of the things to remember when you're talking magical uses of herbs is like for like. Right. Practicality matches magical. If it's a hot pepper, its magical uses are to spice things up, to bring fire, to bring energy and all those things that fire represents. If it's chamomile and you drink it in a tea to make you sleepy, it represents peace and calmness and harmony. Roses, people give roses for love. They make people feel romantic. Rose petals magically are for romance and love. So like for like, you just have to remember that. So if you know the medicinal uses of an herb, you'll know the magical properties as well. Right, right. You know, there is definitely a, a separate set of knowledge between the magical uses um, and the medicinal uses. Oh, yeah. It doesn't go the other way. <laughs> no, no. But, but we want to make sure we tell people that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't oh, yeah. go the other way. Like, no. Don't be ingesting stuff if you don't know. Yeah, don't. don't. No, please don't. Don't, don't. eat any of these <laughs> unless you know that they are edible. You know, there's things that have properties that people don't realize. Potatoes, healing, and image magic. And then you've got raspberries with love and protection. Rice, abundance, fertility, money, protection. These are things that are in your everyday, or maybe in your everyday. Um, maybe you don't eat potatoes every day. I'm with an Irishman, so I have to. <laughs> but just normal things that you would find in your refrigerator, in your cupboard, look them up, see what their magical properties are. You may be able to use them in your magical work. You know, rosemary, the uses for rosemary, I, I can't even list all of them. It's one of my favorite magical and edible herbs. Yeah. Strawberries. Love and luck. Who doesn't love strawberries? Right? So one of the other uses for herbs is potions. I love making me some potions. 
This is where the tea lover in me comes to play. The, oh my gosh, yes, that's where this I was is where going. My, <laughs> my herb witch and my tea lover come face to face. Me too. I am definitely a hot leaf water fan. And we all have these stories of when we were little making potions. How many potions did you make, Shell? I had a plastic tea set. What are you talking about? I was making potions in my yard with nettles and onion and thorns from a blackberry bush. You know, I needed to curse my enemies, man. I you were horrible. I was making them with flowers, man. What do you mean <laughs> nettles? Like I was making like little things with flowers. Looking back in retrospect, I was making spell bottles back then. I would be making flower crowns. You were just angry. I was an angry <laughs> child. <laughs> yeah, I collected cemetery dirt and yeah, don't cross me when I was eight. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> man, what I wouldn't have given for like a coffin nail at that age. But anyway, now tea, tea is, is where it's at. And, you know, I've also noticed an uptick. Get it? Uptick on the TikTok huh. on, on tea leaf reading. And oh, okay. I think a lot of people think that tea leaf reading is something new. This is like a couple thousand year old practice. Right? Yeah. But tea, tea leaf reading is a great form of divination. Definitely. We're not going to get into that today, but look it up, get some info, fun stuff, especially if you're a tea lover. As far as the herbs and the teas go, you can do so much with a cup of tea. So much. It's an easy potion. It's an easy spell potion right there. And if you're concerned about making your own or harvesting your own, go to the local grocery store and go to the tea section. And there is a plethora of herbal concoctions there. And they're all delicious. Very delicious. The chamomile tea might be Celestial Seasons is the brand. I could be wrong. <laughs> that chamomile tea. I have done some good magic with that. Good magic. Yeah. Go to your farmer's market. A lot of times they'll have local herbs and things that you can add to your herbal teas and chamomile tea, a little lemongrass. I mean, if you need to draw peace or harmony into your life, that's a fabulous potion right there. Well, and also, you know, if you're a summer iced tea, cold tea type person, you can make you can make your iced tea, your cold tea. I love cold tea um, just as much as I love hot tea. Mm -hmm. But you can just squirt some lemon in there for for love or purification. So these are things that you know you may already be utilizing in your everyday quote unquote menu, and just incorporate them more magically as well. Exactly. And how easy to do a spell as you're waiting for the water to heat up to draw those energies in and to infuse that water with the power of that heat and then conscientiously choose each herb and put it in whatever it is that you're going to soak into the tea and you know choose honey to add a little sweetness to it and strengthen it everybody's looking for a love spell everybody is i got the perfect love spell for you folks get Ooh. a gallon of water put some tea in it i like black tea Put lemon in it, put honey in it, and put some pure sugar cane in it. Sugar for love and lust. Perfect. Lemon, relationships and love. Honey, love. Like, you want to do a love spell? Make some sun tea. It's that and, easy. Oh, yeah. This Again, this time of year, that sun energy. Put some sun tea out there to soak it up. Black tea itself is magical, and it gives you faith and strength. It can also be a psychic energy, bring clairvoyance and protection. Green tea also is for divination, for happiness, for healing. 
if you use oolong tea, that stands for strength and mercy. It can also be for love or divine intervention. And white tea has the energies of healing and immortality along with benevolence. So you can choose the type of tea that you want as a base, as well as any herbs or flowers that you want to add to it to add those energies. And just a super easy way to bring that energy into your life. And like Shell said, stick it in the sun, make sun tea. And now you've had that added energy of the sun god energy infused into that potion. And that's always my go-to. When people, Do you have a love spell you could give me? Could you talk to me about love spells? Yeah, go make some sun tea. <laughs> go make some sun tea. Like, what's that got to do with a love spell? I'm like, well. And then if you want a little extra boost to that, toss in some fresh raspberries. Again, for love. Yep. I like to do a little bit of black tea for luck with mint and chamomile. Definitely help you for your prosperity. Jasmine, if you have access to to jasmine that would be another one well there you go a little mint jasmine black tea that sounds delicious you've got a prosperity spell right there protection is another big one i think that's a good one we might want to also touch on and <laughs> now this always made my my daughter my oldest child laugh my daughter she's an adult she loves mimosas okay mm-hmm. doesn't realize that mimosa is actually a plant That is a good protection. She thought that drinking mimosas, not a plant, would be protection. Oh, (laughs) interesting. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to use that excuse. I guess if that's her intention, actually mustard. And I know mustard tea, I've actually done it before. It's weird. Mustard seed. That doesn't sound very good. Well, I like mustard to begin with. That's why I tried it. Cool. But yeah, you know, you can do like the nettle tea. You can do orange. Oh, yeah. I love any citrus. Give me a citrus in my tea any day. And those are fantastic. I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely love it. I've never had this in a tea, but my grandma used to make a pie, rhubarb. Now, I liked the rhubarb pie, so I would be curious. I would try a rhubarb tea. Hell, yeah. Yeah. I Why have not? a lot of rhubarb. My family has a lot of rhubarb that grows. Um, my my grandmother that recently passed at 100 years old has a ton of rhubarb. And a lot of the family came and picked rhubarb out of that patch after she had passed and made rhubarb pies, rhubarb cakes, rhubarb bread, rhubarb muffins, rhubarb. And I do love rhubarb. Give me a strawberry rhubarb pie any day. Fantastic stuff. So don't you think strawberry rhubarb tea could be good? I've never had rhubarb in a tea. I would definitely have to try that. That's something I'm going to have to try. I'm going to have to give that a go. We'll have to whip up some sort of spelly thing that involves that and see how it goes, see how it tastes. What I have, let's see, for rhubarb, I've got fidelity and and protection. Hmm. And I know that the, the leaves of it can be very bitter, if not poisonous. So that would make sense that it would be a protection thing, possibly the big protective leaves. Sure. Protection, fidelity, and to increase male libido. Sometimes people will use rhubarb in food in order to uh, make their man more interested or a little more lusty in bed. Possibly, again, the like for like. Maybe it's the big stalk. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, you can use foods for magic. 
rice. Who would have thought rice? Abundance, fertility, money, protection. Like, come on, it's rice. Everybody's got access to rice. Well, that makes sense again, too, because in a lot of cultures, having rice meant that you had enough to eat, that you had enough to keep going. And so having rice would be a wealth thing. Right. I could see where sugar also can be because of some of its connotations as only for the wealthy can be considered magically to have that correspondence. Similar to um, some spices are the same way because they were considered so precious. They have that kind of energy associated with them. Yeah, like turmeric for clarity and purification, um, vanilla, lust, love, mental powers. These are things that, you know, walnuts. My grandma used to make cookies every Christmas with walnuts. Walnuts, health, infertility, assist with that. You can make wishes on walnuts. I remember when I was a kid at Christmas, we would make wishes on walnuts. How do you make a wish on a walnut? I don't know. We'd hold it in our hand and make a wish on it. I don't know. Oh, okay. I didn't know if there was anything more involved than that. (laughs) Like, think of it like, I don't know, maybe you'd call it praying to the walnut. I don't know. We'd make these wishes on the walnuts and then we'd paint. My grandma would have this paint and these little paintbrushes and then we'd paint things on the walnut shell. That's kind of cool. Little spell right there. And then they'd be decorations. My grandma wasn't a witch. Just ask her. She'd tell you. (laughs) And then we'd paint the walnuts. Yeah. This is the Pennsylvania Dutch grandma that was not a witch. (laughs) Correct. Correct. right. Gotcha. (laughs) I guess the point I keep trying to, to swing it back to is you do not need to just go spending all kinds of money to start being able to create herbal spells and do herbal magic and, you know, kind of incorporate that into your life. Some people say this isn't herbal. I do. I don't know. I'll fight you for it. Simmer pots. Love a damn good simmer pot. Maybe not so much this time of year, but like more maybe Mabin to Ostara in that chunk of period of time here in the Northern Hemisphere. Perfect simmer pot. Get some oranges and some apples and some clove and some cinnamon sticks And just simmer that in a big old pot. Like there's nothing like it. I think simmer pots are just water-based incense, to be honest. Really? Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people I know use them that exact same way. And it is herbal. Basically, you're making a big tea or a soup, a big potion, and allowing the aromatics of that and the energy that you've put into that to To put your intention out to the universe. Yeah. And, and you're doing it with all of the elements. You've got the air where the scent comes up. You've got the fire that you're using to heat it with, water that's your base, and then the earth that are all the different herbs and items that you put in there to make that scent, to bring that power out into the world in the form of that scent and that mist that's going to cover everything and to push your magic out. Or as an alternative to that, as long as your simmer pot is full of edible things, consumable things after you're done with your, you know, if you've had that going for, you know, three, six, nine hours, here we are with that three, six, nine thing again, right? You can then strain some of that out for a tea, uh, for a tincture and consume it to continue your spell or complete your spell that way. Yeah. You can then take the solids, the herbs and things that you put into that and bury them in your garden as mulch and to also continue releasing the energy of that spell. You know, there's so much that you can do with this. And one of my grandmothers, also not a witch, would be happy (laughs) to tell you she was not a witch. Just ask her. Just ask her. Love to do kitchen magic. When she was cooking, how many times have you heard in a kitchen an older relative say, the quickest way to a man's heart is through his stomach? Yep. 
how often do people to say I'm sorry or welcome to the neighborhood or I hope you get better make food or or at the passing of someone or yeah when someone passes away people make food food is a magical ritual in and of itself and so why not start adding these herbs into it to make it an actual magical meal use your herbs with intention and with choice choose them because they taste good and also for the properties that they have let's go back to love and abundance you know if you're making a dinner for someone that you love and you want to continue that love maybe use some edible flowers make it a sweet meal instead of savory you know make make it hot and sweet you know use a little bit of chili powder use a little bit of honey use don't don't make these people think that they that if you want to be an herbal witch you got to be a kitchen witch because you don't have to no i'm just I saying can't you can cook to save my life okay i can't cook to save my life but yeah i've been rocking the herb witch thing yep. for a couple decades here but don't let me cook for you nope. because it could turn tragic and you'll be eaten out of a microwave yeah and a lot of the herbs that <laughs> are used in in incenses are not edible right so and a lot of edible herbs smell very differently than they when taste if you burn it Exactly. Exactly. You know, something that may have a sweet taste to it is going to smell bitter. And I think a, a good example of that is um, that yarrow. Yarrow, kind of, if you break it, very sweet. And, and if you put your tongue on it, very sweet to the taste. If you burn it, it's kind of off-putting. <laughs> Sometimes when you burn things, you shouldn't breathe it in. You don't want to breathe in these smokes of a lot of these different things. And there's things that parts of them are consumable and other parts of them are not. That's a game you don't want to play. You know, maybe the leaf is consumable, but the stalk is poisonous or, you know, vice versa. Um, or maybe I just always stuck it safe with the herbal witch part of it. Honestly, if you, if you stick with consumable herbs, you're not going to really hurt yourself. Um, but check out some of the books. Check out Cunningham. He's got some great information. It might be a little simple, but it's a great place to start. Check out Rosemary Gladstar and so that you can find the edible and the medicinal herbs as well to kind of balance the magical part of your practice. And as far as um, a really good website to find the magical correspondences, and this this site's been around for several years. I, I don't know these people. I have no association with them. I just think they've always had a pretty badass website. Thewhitegoddess.co.uk. And they have a very extensive, excellent magical correspondence list on their site. And if you're from the White Goddess website and you want to reach out to us, hey, feel free. <laughs> Back on the broomstick at gmail.com. But I, I definitely think having some sort of reference of correspondences is a good way to start. Because if you have the correspondence kind of in front of you, you can see okay, what do I have in my kitchen that I can use for this? And what do I have in my backyard that I can use for that? Always be appreciative as well. You know, if you are going to take trimmings or cuttings, you want to thank that plant or thank that shrub or whatever um, before you just take. You don't just take. You don't just ever take. Be appreciative and thankful for that prior. But see what you've got around you and then you can kind of work with things from there. But I think Probably the best way to start is to have a correspondence list, whether it's from Cunningham's book or from a website, um, whatever, because then you can kind of build maybe a little herbal closet out from there. 
you know, what are my intentions? Am I looking for love? Okay. Where are the oranges and the raspberries at here, people? Because I'm looking for love, (laughs) you know, kind of start from there. Yeah. And try to use ingredients that you have on hand as much as possible. I know my first instinct is I want all the pretty jars. I want them all filled to the brim with incense and I want them labeled and I want the shelves and all the tools needed. Love that. (laughs) But I also know myself. I move a lot and I don't use a lot of these things when I make an incense or a tincture or a, a potion. I just use a little bit. So don't go buying a big ounce of yarrow when you go get it. You might only need a small amount. You know, keep it in a little jar (laughs) because the last thing you want is to be cleaning out ounces and ounces of these dried old dusty ass herbs that have lost all potency. And now you're trying to compost them and do something with them and you've spent all this money. So start small. You might only find that you like, you know, a couple, three, five herbs that are your go-tos. You're always grabbing the dragon's blood. You're always grabbing the mint or, you know, what have the rose petals, you know, keep those particular herbs on hand and then source the other ones as you need them. In two to three years is my limit here, folks. The longest I will keep an ingredient is two to three years. After that, I feel like it's kind of lived its life. The thrill is gone. The magic has dwindled. Three years, I'll keep something stored for usage and then that's it. It's got to go and be replaced. Because, you know, this stuff isn't, you can't have something in a jar for 36 years and expect it to be just as potent. You know, that bay leaf does turn to dust after a bit. Now, you and I, when we first started all of this witchcraft stuff was way back in the day when Wicca was really the only name of the game. If you were a witch, you were a Wiccan. That was pretty much an assumption. It was one in the same back then. That's right. That's right. All witches were Wiccans or you were some sort of devil worshiper. Pretty much. Pretty much. But... When I was first looking into herbalism, I was sold hook, line, and sinker. The whole idea of the witch in her robes going out at dawn with her boline, you know, that curved sacred knife to cut her herbs with the first Who the hell wants to be up at dawn? What the (laughs) heck? Lord. (laughs) Now, there are some magical traditions that will tell you if you're going to use these herbs in any type of magical working. You have to pick them at a certain time of day with a certain tool, with a certain intention. And that's all well and good. There are high magic. There are rituals where you will want to do that. Remember I told you I sourced the lavender last night? I went out there at like, I don't know, 9.15 at night. I had scissors. I was in my Minnie Mouse pajamas. There was nothing sacred about this sourcing at all. And yet that's going to work just as well for Shell as someone going out at dawn with their pearl-handled bowling, you know, collecting the dew Don't judge me on the Minnie Mouse pajama pants, by the way. Love those. Love those. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's all about intention. Would I like to have gone out there and done this at, you know, 12.01 a.m. on the dark moon on the 13th of the month? Sure. Does that fit my life? Absolutely not. Am I going (laughs) anywhere at sunrise? I'm not going anywhere at sunrise. Nowhere. Nowhere. Except sleepy, sleepy land. So we're going to wrap this up and say intention is really king. But one of these days we have to do an episode on intention because it's not the same as saying, I want it to be like this. And so it is. It's not that simple. That's not intention necessarily. That's a backhanded intention. (laughs) You have to, you definitely have to have the frame of reference for sure. That's the one thing that I think 
I see a lot of lately is that I want to be a witch and I want to be an all-powerful witch overnight. I wish it was overnight because here I sit 30 years later, still reading books and, and, and learning things and trying things out and what works, what doesn't work. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm starting to get into this whole sea witch thing and that is not something I've ever delved into. So there is a lot of learning and a lot of practice involved in this. And it's, I'm not going to say it's not daunting. It is, especially after you've done this for so long, but it's the natural path of things. It's the way it is. It's like, you got to put in your time. This is the way of the wise. You got to put in your study. That's yeah. Right. You got to put in your study. You got to put in the, the the trial and error. And then you will get to the point where you're just doing this shit on the fly. Exactly. Just because a power lifter lifts up, you know, several hundred pounds and makes it look easy doesn't mean that they didn't work very hard to get to that point to make right. it look easy. You know, the you're not seeing the hundreds of hours and right. worked to make the muscle to get to that point. And so when people just say, well, as long as the intent is there, I think sometimes we're forgetting the work that went in behind it. Right. But different podcast. <laughs> anyway. We'll talk about intent another day, my friends. Yeah. So I say get your jars get your herbs and just start throwing shit together and see what happens because that's the only way you're going to a learn and b know if you want to do herbal magic or be a herb witch or what have you is just start throwing shit together and start burning it and see what happens. Yep. And if you start making your own incenses and you don't like the way they smell, they don't burn properly for you. You find that it's just not your bag. It's fine to use cone or stick incense or buy someone else's blends because that can be just as powerful. You just right. have to put your energy into it in a different way rather than creating it. And write down your ingredients. That was a tough lesson I learned in the beginning. I wouldn't write anything down and they'd be like, oh, what'd you put in that? Uh, I don't remember. Hey, Shell, I love that incense you made for me. We started talking. My relationship got better. It's fantastic. What'd you put in it? I don't remember. Yeah. And I was in magical space, man, and I just went with it. Just put stuff in there. And it worked every time. You were the witch. And if, if you got any questions um, or comments about herb witchery or incense making, loose incense making, drop us a line at backonthebroomstick at gmail.com and I will try to answer any questions I can. And thank you so much as usual for listening. We love you all. Keep the emails coming. You guys are amazing. And we love the ego boost. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for the smiles and the well wishes. Please email us your tips, your tricks, your ideas, what you like, what you don't like. Shoot us some stars. Give us a review. Helps the show out and we really appreciate it. So thank you again. We will see you next week on Friday at Back on the Broomstick. Keep it witchy.